What's up, everyone? This is Philip Morrison with the Hoops for Christ podcast, a podcast about everything basketball-related and sports ministry. All right, I got a hot take today, and I want to just go right into it, talking about the Satan shoes. Little Nas X drop. Been a hot topic. I literally got hundreds of responses, opinions, very passionate about this. The Satan shoes, Little Nas X just recently dropped. I'm going to just dive into that, give you my thoughts on it, go in depth on it. Also, I'm going to do my NCAA tourney review. Man, what a great tournament it was. We missed it. Didn't have it last year because of the COVID shutdown. So I'm going to dive into that. Had a crazy Final Four championship, but really the whole tournament itself was just great. Never disappoints. Going to review that, and then I'm going to close up with my Easter uh, devotional. Hope everyone had a great Easter. Celebrated it. I'm going to dive into that at a camp this last week. I did a devotional really just in a few minutes clearly explaining Good Friday, Easter, the gospel. You know, it's a worldwide holiday. It's considered the holiest of all holidays for Christians. But like, why do we really celebrate it? You know, I think everyone generally knows like, hey, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but that's the answer. If you only get the answer and you never truly hear the problem, then that's a whole nother scenario. So to appreciate the answer, I'm going to unpack and explain the problem, which maybe you never heard before. Maybe it's never been explained to you in that way. Um, So I'm going to go into that. So let's get right into it. First off, The Satan Shoes. Man, I tell you what. I was in the gym last Sunday. And we had just finished up training. Sunday is our big training day for um, all our guys. We come in. We do the most sessions that day. We usually play uh, full court open gym that day. And uh, one of the guys pulled up on Twitter the Satan Shoes that Lil Nas X dropped. So originally we thought it was a collab between uh, this rapper and Nike. And of course you see all the satanic emblems uh, and 666 pairs of uh, shoes being released. I think immediately I thought it was a desperate attempt for him to stay relevant and get attention, which obviously he did. But then you see like the Bible verse on it and it's... It, it, it just really intriguing and incites a lot of emotion. And I saw immediately a lot of anger on social media about it. And, I, and honestly, in, in the comments when I posted about it last week on, uh, on IG, you know, there were people that jumped in the comments that, you know, um, actually supported it. Didn't think it was that big of a deal. So let's, here's just some quick facts about it. All right, Little Nas X, rapper, pop, whatever. He collabed with an art collection company. This was not with Nike. So basically he bought uh, 666 pairs of Nikes. And then he got those custom made separately from another company. So that's the first, I think, misconception is that Nike collabed with him. In fact, Nike is suing. They are totally against it. They said, you know, that it's a... Infringement in a lot of ways. They, they had no uh, recollection of working with them and that they also did not support it. So they're actually suing um, 
this whole collaboration, possibly that company or the rapper himself. They're suing for that. So just want to clear that up right now. Everybody is out there saying I'm banning Nike. And listen, I totally understand, man. It, <laughs> Nike took a big hit. You know what I'm saying? They took a big hit to their image. But Nike has came out and made it very clear. Everybody, cooler heads prevail here. Nike was not involved with it. That is a relief for me because everything I wear obviously has to do with Nike or Adidas or Jordan or whatever. And I'm the Nike camp director for the state of Kentucky. I run all the Nike camps. So, man, that put me in a tight slot. I don't even want to go down that road because I don't look at things that way of banning Nike. I just didn't look at it that way anyway originally. But I just want to clarify, Nike is suing. They are not on board with that. So there's 666 pairs. They're being sold for $1,018. And that is a direct correlation between the Bible verse, Luke 10, 18, that is on the shoe. And that verse refers to uh, when God threw Satan down. It says, I saw Satan fall from heaven. Um, Also with these shoes as well, it was kind of... um, correlated to a release of one of his songs and clearly he wanted the attention because if you have seen the video it's obviously gone viral social media as soon as it caught attention he went back on youtube and did a little fake apology and reposted it of him basically uh grinding all over satan it's pretty sick it's pretty disgusting it's pretty dark honestly Um, but i'll get into that later on because i'm going to break this down my opinion into three areas that's the natural number two the spiritual number three the macro so this is just my in-depth thoughts when i did my research looked over it tried not to bring any emotion to it because i'm not about all that i just wanted to kind of get the bottom of like what was the real purpose of all this so number one honestly my first impression and even more as i thought about it it just really came off as a thirst trap to me, Lil Nas X is thirsty. Um, you know, you could say he sold his soul for attention and fame and, you know, whatever that you could have an opinion on that. But what I look at it is he's desperately trying to stay relevant. If you look at any kind of, you know, attention or media, a lot of times, I say, you know, good attention, bad attention, any attention is valuable attention. And he for better and in my opinion for worse brought tremendous amount of eyes and attention and he became the headline story it became a viral global story so in my opinion he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish obviously he's not a christian and i'll get into that in my next point about perhaps he was hurt or he had certain feelings towards christianity and so this was easy for him to do um, I was just surprised of how dark and depraved he went to what levels to get attention. But that's what he decided to do. But in my opinion, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this guy is so desperate and thirsty for attention. That's how it came off to me. So in the natural, I think that is the first impression I had. And, and the more I researched this, I realized like he probably was sitting around thinking or cooking up with his team of like, how can we just set the world on fire and gain all this attention and get a bunch of views and eyes? And I think what they did was try to go for the shock and awe 
approach. And they did. They shocked a lot of people. They brought a lot of attention to themselves. So I think they accomplished what they wanted to accomplish, but he just comes off as honestly just thirsty. Number two, the spiritual. So spiritually, how do we look at this? And you know, when I was reading through all these comments I was getting, um, particularly on IG, a lot of people are saying it's sad, they're angry about it, it's evil, it, you know, um, just lots of different opinions in it, on that. The verse that really I kept going back to is from 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And that verse basically says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the mind of those who do not believe. They cannot see the light of the gospel. So in the spiritual, we talk many times about God working through people, God using people. Um, there's a verse in Philippians that God, it's God who works in us both to will and to do. I personally believe that. I believe a lot of times the work that I do with Hoops for Christ or even in basketball, I say all the time, when I'm in a gym, when I'm between the lines, I feel closest to God. That is my sanctuary. You know, I, I, I enjoy being traditionally how we do it nowadays in the modern times, you know, being in a church, singing hymns or singing worship songs. You know, I do think that is a sacred place as well. But for me personally, when I feel closest to the Lord is when I'm in a gym using my light or the gift that I feel like God gave me through the game of basketball. You know, that is where I aspire to be a missionary. You know, the basketball missionary is what I aspire to be. And so in the same way as we say God influences or uses people, you know, this verse saying that Satan, who is the God of this world, that he works tremendously through this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. So when I when it says blind the mind, it may not be like, oh, these people are like drinking blood and doing these satanic cultic type rituals. That's not what it means necessarily. What it means is that he uses people who have influence to steer them or distract them away from the light of the gospel. Sometimes it's not overt. Sometimes it's subtle. It's to get you to focus more on basketball than God. To worship basketball or sports or money or, or progression in a job. Whatever it might be, it could be subtle. That's a subtle thing. You know, not that it's an evil thing to want to progress in your job or in sports. It's just a distraction from keeping the main thing the main thing. And then there are overt things, you know, maliciously overt things, which I think this was. I think these shoes, the fact that he called them Satan shoes. Another fact that I omitted and, and forgot in the beginning was apparently in each shoe, there's a drop of human blood. I mean, bro, really? This is overt. This is directly correlated to be a slap in the face of the Lord. And whether he intentionally meant it or not, or he wrestling with demons himself, or he has really beef with God, it says that Satan has blinded the minds. That in the natural and in the spiritual, people love the darkness and they hate the light. That's not coming from me. That's from the word. All right, that's from the Bible. So I think this is more of an overt act. And, you know, I also think that 
you know, deception is real. And I think this is a way for, in the spiritual realm, for people to really get distracted. You know, I think the distraction is to get mad and angry at Lil Nas X. And you know, I've seen the repost of the Chick-fil-A shoes as a, <laughs> as a response, right? Uh, the Chick-fil-A shoes with John 3.16 on them. I mean, corny, okay? <laughs> that ain't going to do nothing, okay? That is a deception and distraction. That's over here of us fighting over crumbs that don't matter, okay? Rather than sitting at the table and having this conversation that impacts and changes people's hearts, minds, and souls. That's my whole, that, that's my whole point about the spiritual thing is, Christians and non-believers, we're fighting over stuff that doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is to, it will draw attention back to the spiritual, which I'm a big believer in getting back to the gospel and then letting the spirit do its work. You know, people are passionate about what they believe in. You can't talk somebody into being a Christian, in my personal opinion. I think you can give them the gospel and the truth from the word and then you just pray and let let the Holy Spirit let the Lord take over in that person's life and perhaps they will water a seed over time that will grow you know in into someone's heart and mind being changed for the Lord but that's not for one person to say that they can convince somebody to do it so in the spiritual realm I do look at it as like Satan blind in the minds of people you know but on the other sense what I'd say is a lot of times people are driven by bad experiences. And I'm going to go in depth on this. Little Nas X, has, he's come out and clearly said he, he's homosexual. He's gay. And he tried to hide it for a while because he said Hollywood would, wouldn't accept it. And now that it's accepted. But I've seen how he responds on Twitter to certain people. And clearly he's had really bad experiences. And I've heard other people say say they've had bad experience with other Christians saying they're hypocritical, they're judgmental. And you know, sadly, I think sometimes that is true. But I'm not even going to touch on an issue that someone might be very sensitive about. You know, if homosexuality is is an issue that someone's very sensitive about, and they don't want, why even, why even open a door that, that they're locking? You know, at the end of the day, uh, to me, I really believe a sin is a sin. I believe that everyone has sinned. I believe that we're all in the same boat. I don't look at someone who's uh, gay or lesbian. I don't look at somebody who uh, stole money from a company. I don't look at somebody who did anything at the end of the day from Romans all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God we are all in the same boat no no man or woman is above another we're all desperately in need of grace that's the beauty of the gospel and the cross of Christ is that we're all in a situation where nobody can be like yo I'm better than you you know or I I earned it I, I deserve to go to heaven more than you do no here's the thing Unless your righteousness is perfect, unless you're a perfect person, free of any judgment or guilt, those are the only people that deserve to go to heaven. Guess who that is? Jesus. He's the only one. Therefore, Jesus is the only qualified sacrifice and atonement that can save us. That's the beauty of the gospel. What I have found 
for years, when I first became a Christian, I used to go down to Barstown Road. Okay, that's a place here in Louisville where there's a lot of bars, a lot of people hang out, party here in Louisville. It's a, kind of a little bar district. I used to go down there on Friday nights for three, four hours after work. This was for like a couple years after I became a Christian. So I was 19, 20, 21, um, maybe 22, I can't remember. But those early years when I became a Christian, I would go down there sometimes by myself, sometimes with a group. And I would have gospel tracts and I would hand out these gospel tracts and strike up conversations with people. Now, that was a melting pot down there. I ran into so many different people from different backgrounds. I ran into people who uh, were atheists. They didn't believe in God. I ran into people, Jehovah Witnesses, Catholics, Christians, non-Christians, people who were Hindu. People who said they were witches. They were into Wiccan. Um, it's crazy stuff. People who, uh, Scientology. I, you just It was a melting pot of different beliefs. And that sharpened me so much. You know why? Because I got to hear other people's stories, their faiths, their beliefs, and their convictions. And here's the thing. If you don't have true conviction in what you believe in, and you come across somebody else who has true conviction, they can back it up, they can quote it, chapter and verse. Man, it makes you question. If I say that I believe in this, and I say this is the truth, and they say that what they believe in is the truth, and they have, who's right? How can you say that someone else is right? You know, if I say I'm right and you say, no, you're not right. Well, here's the thing. There's only one absolute truth. So that caused me to dig deep within my own faith, wrestle with God, wrestle with my own faith as a young man. And that is how that that was the foundation of how I became so strong and had such a deep conviction in the gospel and why till this day all these years later I'm I'm still trying to share the gospel like I did as a young man because I believe it transforms hearts and I do believe Jesus is the way and the truth and the life to heaven and in this life and I found so many people who I think little Nas X would relate back to that a lot of people are not following God I don't even want to say go to church just not following God or not pursuing a relationship with God because of what someone else said or did or hurt them in the past. So their relationship to God, our creator, Jesus Christ, who died in love on a cross for us, has been hindered because of another flawed, sinful human being, what they said or did. That influences it. Now, that human did a human thing. They might have said something stupid, out of place, insensitive, right? Had no sympathy or empathy at that moment. And from now on, a person is carrying that around, that pain, that scar with them, so much so that they blame God for it. Now, if you really think about it, that makes no sense at all. That person is not God, but you're going to blame God for that person. You know, I get, like, I don't want to be associated with people. If that's who God is all about, I don't want to be associated. Well, well, again, let me go back to Romans. Everybody is sinful. Everybody has their flaws. Everybody has their shortcomings. Everybody is in a desperate situation where they deserve to get the punishment for their sins. They deserve to go to hell. No one has earned anything. That's the beauty of grace. You can't earn it and you don't deserve it. And I'm 
I know I'm going long on this point, but I, I believe that is the case with Little Nas X, why he came out with the Satan shoes, why other people, sometimes it's the pain and the scars from other people who associate themselves with the church that hurt other people or make quick judgments. And uh, I just wanted to say that because that's not what I'm about either. I'm about, man, meet you where you're at. I'm going to give you my testimony, how God changed my life and how the gospel changed my life. And that's a seed. It's not my job to lord over your soul and tell you who's going to hell and who's not going to hell, who's going to heaven and not going to heaven, but just to give you the gospel. My final point, number three, looking at the macro picture, okay? Looking at the big picture, I look at the fact that influencers influence, okay? I don't think, you know, I think a lot, what I've got from hearing a look from older people that they've said that, oh, he's influencing our kids and they're going to follow him. I, I, I'm going to give... I'm going to give young people and teens and stuff more credit than that. I don't think because Little Nas X came out with 666 pairs of some ugly Nike shoes that were custom made called the Sage Shoes. It's going to cause them to be like all in on being satanic and going to hell and worshiping Satan. Okay. <laughs> I just, I'm going to give them a little more credit to be individual and think for themselves. I think sometimes older people don't appreciate how younger people what I'm seeing really their individuality and self-awareness thinking for themselves and just not receiving everything that's been pushed to them from the media or other people or even what they grow up in so I, I do think that influencers have a way of planting seeds like I told you I think they have a way of planting ideas and and people look at influencers and they do influence them you know, so I do think there's damage done in that sense. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I look at it as, in my sense, if I try to make an influence in my small world, I'm looking at it like I'm throwing seeds on the ground. I'm planting a seed, hoping that God will water it or bring somebody else in behind me or later on in life to water and encourage that seed so that one day it will grow into to what the purpose of it is. That's how I look at all these things. I don't look at them any other way. Now, let's get into the NCAA tournament review. Last night was the championship. Baylor handled Gonzaga. I was stunned. Not that Baylor won. I think, honestly, Baylor and Gonzaga were both championship-worthy teams. I was just stunned at how well Baylor played. They were the absolute best version of themselves. I uh, tweeted this out last night, um, quoting Pat Riley. He said, sometimes you run into a buzzsaw. And tonight we ran into a buzzsaw, and man, that quote really sums up that game. Right from the tip, man, that, I thought that first 10 minutes of that game not only set the tone but that was probably as good as Baylor I've seen Baylor play offensively but especially defensively all year I joked and I said man the way Baylor shot the three-pointer and defended they could have beat the Brooklyn Nets last night I mean they were just awesome they were at their very best 
when their best was required. And honestly, that's kind of what makes the NCAA tournament so special, what we look to. It's not a seven-game series like the NBA. You know, that's really uh, who's better that night, who's at their best that night. I personally think, as a whole, I think Gonzaga was the better team. And in a seven-game series, I think they walk away and win. But last night, nobody's beaten. Definitely no no college team on the planet's beaten Baylor the way they were last night. I mean, their their defense was suffocating, as good as it can be. They were just all over the place. And, you know, I really thought Jalen Suggs for Gonzaga, their point guard, who I think should be the number one pick in the draft. And I thought um, Drew Timmy, their big man, I thought those were going to be the two best players on the floor. And it was going to make a difference. And you saw, man, that first 10 minutes, they go on that huge run. Baylor goes on a run. Suggs gets in foul trouble. He goes out. Um, They really neutralized Timmy, man. Lots of turnovers. Couldn't get him going. They did get him in a lot of pick and roll actions. But, you know, overall, not only that, but Baylor's bigs played really well. They protected the rim really well. They played well. Um... You know, NCAA tournaments are always defined by great guard play. If you got great guards, you got a chance. And they've clearly had the best and deepest guard rotation of any team in the nation. Um, and, you know, Baylor, it wasn't like Baylor was a – I mean, they possibly could have gone undefeated this year too. They had a three-week COVID shutdown. And, and that's kind of where they slowed down a little bit, lost momentum, lost a game or two, I believe. And But other than that, they've been rolling all year. And uh, they've been as good as any team. So, you know, if if you look at it as a whole with all the upsets and all the excitement that the NCAA tournament brings, I do feel like we had the two best teams in the championship. So I like that. The, the two best teams ended up being in the end. So it was an overall great game. And the final four, obviously, wow, what a game between the Zags and UCLA. So, I mean, overall... Couldn't be happier with it, but like I said, I think that guard play from Baylor made the difference. Guards that can defend can be nasty to defend. Get up in you, aggressive, athletic, strong, um, and shooting. Again, I, I say this all the time. I feel like shooting is the most important skill to have. There's always a need for shooters. There's always an opportunity for shooters. Um, and they got guards that can do everything. They can score at three levels, all levels, get to the rim. They can create for themselves and their teammates. But, man, they defend on both ends. And like I said, I think Gonzaga just ran into a buzzsaw. They just – they played unbelievable. Their ball movement, basketball IQ, skill level, everything was great. But, man, they ran into a buzzsaw. And it's a one-game series, not a seven-game series. So that pretty much summed it up. also want to note, I really, really enjoyed watching these other three teams in this run. Loyola Chicago, Abilene Christian University, and Oral Roberts University. I thought ORU had a great shot at making it to the Final Four. And I actually would have picked Loyola Chicago to go to the Final Four. Um, As good as they looked that first weekend. But those three teams, I think they just define, like, great team basketball. They sacrificed. They played well. Awesome defensive rotations. I took a lot of film 
on defensive rotations in the NCAA tournament. And so I really enjoyed watching all these guys flying around, playing string defense with each other as a team. I plan on posting that video here soon, but those three teams really stood out to me in the review. And I'll be honest, that tournament really surpassed my expectations. I did not know how it was going to go with COVID. I thought, man, what if a Baylor or Gonzaga, somebody tests positive and they're out of the tournament? I really thought something like that was, was going to happen and mess it all up, especially with all the teams in Indy all in one city. Never been done before like that. But, man, it was a great tournament. And did we miss it? You know, didn't have it last year because the COVID shut down. So I think overall, couldn't be happier with the tournament high-level basketball, and from a basketball player development, skills trainer point of view, one thing I, I noticed from this is you just cannot, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a basketball trainer, you can't put enough emphasis on knowing how to play. So much of the landscape of what you see in basketball training or with the rise of Instagram and social media is so much of the isolation one-on-one And I think there is a high value in players that can create off the dribble, off the bounce. But just being able to to play. If you look at these college games, I talk about this a lot in training sessions. Look at the type of shots that they're actually getting. The top 1% player, you know, NCAA tournament, you're looking at power five teams, top players in the world at that age group in college. It's catch and shoot. It's coming off of screens. It's one dribble pull up. It's moving without the ball. It's coming off a pick and roll and making the right decision or the right read. So all those things, um, and then obviously defensively, being able to uh, hold your own. When I I look at that and then I see the disconnection between so much of the skills development, you know, in some ways it's kind of disheartening, but that's why I always say, man, there's such a need for teachers, basketball teachers, people that teach the game and many different phases and uh, basketball IQ obviously is a big part of that but holistically getting players building their confidence helping them understand the game and, and, and giving that knowledge passing it on that's something I'll take away also from this NCAA tournament from watching the highest level of basketball is guys that can just make play and right decisions you know moving on so that's kind of my turn of review would love to hear what you think about it if you were pleased with the outcome or you thought differently. Last thing um, I'll talk about, I hope everyone had a great Easter uh, this past weekend. I posted on YouTube and I posted on Instagram um, my Easter devotional. And so I just wanted to unpack that. I explained Black Friday. I explained Easter. And you know, so often... We know what Easter is about. In other words, the answer, but we don't know the problem that it solves. If you ask just about anyone and say, you know, why are we celebrating Easter? And we say, you know, we're celebrating the resurrection of, of Christ. But that's the answer. The problem is, why did he have to resurrect? And how does that apply to every person on earth? How does that apply? I'll start it out like this, and I talked about it in Black Friday. You know, unless Good Friday, Friday when Jesus went to the cross and was crucified, unless you understand Good Friday as Black Friday, you'll never appreciate the good news. You'll never appreciate 
Easter Sunday. And you'll hear the answer and it won't mean anything to anything to you. And the best analogy I could use is Jesus in, in, in the Gospels talks about only the sick seek after a doctor, not the well. In other words, only when someone recognizes their condition, that they're in need of a remedy, of a cure, of a fix, do they seek after a doctor. People who think that they're well don't go to a doctor. And spiritually speaking, people who think that they're just good and Jesus is a means to being a good person or getting what they're supposed to get or fulfilling their purpose, those are good things, valuable things, but they'll never truly see a need to kneel at the cross, to come back to the problem. They'll never see their need for a savior if they truly believe they're good deep within their heart. And that's what I tried to explain on Black Friday. And that is this, before you look at the cross and you can receive forgiveness and grace, you must first look at the cross and see your own personal guilt and sin that put Jesus there. If you remove everything else, a lot of times we look into the history, into the Bible like a historic book where the Jews or the Romans are the ones that put Christ there. But the truth is, is that, that you and I put Jesus there. It has to be personal. You can't receive that personal grace and salvation until the guilt and the understanding and a need for repentance becomes personal. And that's what Black Friday leading to Easter really is. That no matter what, we're all in that Romans, uh, Romans 3, that all have sinned and fallen short. We're all in need of a Savior. All of us. And that puts us all in the same boat. And here's the problem. A lot of times we look at God like he's all loving and all forgiving. And that is true, that God is love. And that God is always showing grace and mercy. But sometimes we overlook the foundational part that God is holy. And that he's God of justice. And that he can't just overlook or sweep our sins under the carpet and look the other way. Because he's good and loving. That would actually be the, the opposite. It would make him unjust and go against his character. That at the very core is, is what we're asking. Is it the very person that we're asking to forgive us of our sins. We also have to figure a way to punish those sins. And that is the beauty of the gospel. That is the beauty and the celebration of Sunday morning. That Jesus himself became the answer to our problem. That I've got more sins. I'm just going to talk on behalf of myself. I, Philip Morrison, have more sins than I could ever count. And my only hope is that the God who should punish me and send me to hell for my sins, that would be the right thing to do. This God would some kind of way find a way to punish my sins and also forgive me. And the answer is that he sent his only son, Jesus, to be my atonement, to, to take my place. And that he would take, in this exchange, he would take my sins upon himself and die on a cross. And he would also give me his righteousness. Even though I did not live a perfect life that was righteous, he did and he exchanges that by faith. What I did in the, um, in the camp when I was explaining this to the players there was a took a $20 bill out. And this is one of the simplest ways I can explain this. 
I took a $20 bill out and said, I, I earned this $20. I worked for it. I earned it. It's mine. But I'm going to give it to another, another kid. And I handed it to him and he received it from me. And I said, no matter what, if this young man wants to buy something for $20, he can buy it because he now has it. I, give it, I gave it to him and he received it. Now, he didn't work for it. He didn't earn it. He may not even deserve it, but he has it now because of the exchange of me giving that gift to him. And I'm like, in the same way, we could not earn our way to heaven, that righteousness, that perfect life that Jesus had. But out of love, Jesus gives it to us and we receive that gift. Now, I didn't earn it when I stand before God, Lord willing. And the question is, do I deserve to go to heaven? The answer is 100% not. I do not deserve to go to heaven. I was not good enough. But I received the righteousness of Christ through faith. His perfect life, his sacrifice on the cross, his atonement, I received that by faith. And because of that, God sees me in the same light that he sees Jesus. And I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ is, is the way the Bible describes it. So hopefully that blesses you. That simplifies it. You know, I grew up in church the majority of my life and I never, I never really grasped a lot of these concepts. So it, it's deeply um, important to me that I'm able, even in a basketball gym, to try to share these things, simplify them so even a child could understand them. So I hope that blesses you guys. That's it for my podcast. Signing off till next time. God bless you guys. Take care.